This is the Three Skeevers Podcast. All right, episode 32 of the Three Skeevers Podcast with Grim from Grim Sorge Gaming and myself, Icy, with Icy Fire Gaming. How you doing, Grim? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I can't wait for Mid-Year Mayhem in the next couple days to start. That's going to be a lot of fun. I know in between every Mid-Year Mayhem event, the time in between is just basically us practicing till the next one so we can get all our ducks in a row by then. How do you how do you, how are you feeling for this event coming up? Oh good. I I think I don't remember the exact date, but it looks to me like it's going to be towards the middle or end of this coming month. So oh. mid year mayhem. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to launch with Blackwood because they're going to they're going to do the mid year mayhem launch simultaneously on all platforms right on pc and uh console and console doesn't get blackwood until a week later and then there's some type of update or something to that effect the week after that so i have a feeling that it's probably going to be the second or third weekend or maybe even start the last week of the month so that's just my guess yeah i think that'll be on par too for what happened last year with it being at the end of june and early july so okay no worries anyways so we have our special guest today, Simurg. How are you doing, man? Doing pretty good. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. What nice. do we got today, Grim? Um, so I guess the first thing is you've got a lot of projects going on right now. Like, so if we <laughs> if we were to go to YouTube, you've got Ashes of Creations, a major uh, content. You're a content creator for Ashes of Creation. And you're a content creator for ESO, and then you have podcasts of your own as well. So, can you tell us about all these projects and what you're what you have going on? All right, I take a deep breath. <laughs> so, um, so I primarily stream on Twitch uh, pretty regularly. I'd say I'm probably a good five between five and six days pretty regularly currently. Um, and I do a lot of live streaming there, covering Ashes of Creation. Occasionally, I get some Elder Scrolls Online streams in, um, and and just a lot of like game video game discussions, which is where we tie into like the podcast and stuff. Um, on YouTube, I have the Samorg channel, which is specifically Ashes of Creation uh, content, which is what I've been curating there for several years now. Um, once I became an official content creator for them uh, at the end of like 2017, uh, the game is still in development, um, preparing for. And then I've got uh, a couple other channels. I decided to, you know, under some advice from a certain individual that I may or may not name, uh, I decided to break off my content to kind of really separate all the different things that I was doing. Um, and so I've got a some more gaming channel, um, which I over the past month or so I've grown to a couple hundred plus people um, that covers just variety. Um, so it's kind of it's where I put one of the podcasts now, um, the Looking for More podcast, which is a general uh, gaming culture, um, sort of a kind of game rant, um, sort of a game development uh, over MMORPGs, RPGs, just overall gaming culture and geek culture. Um, sometimes have developers on there, content creators, just gamers in general who are just really passionate about video gaming, specifically around those genres. Um, and that one's 40 episodes coming up on 41 episodes. And then uh, on that channel is where I, uh, the some more gaming channel on YouTube is where I host that podcast now, along with um, some variety gaming content. I'll do some yay or nay videos, which are like, you know, would I recommend playing a game or not? And then more specifically lately, I've been doing a lot of 
like what the hell happened kind of things, which is like, what's going on in game development? What's going on with these games that went to Kickstarter? Um, are they doing something kind of scammy? Are they kind of, you know, being perceived as a scam starter, as I call it? Um, or, you know, are the games in development doing pretty well? Um, so we, we cover things like a variety of different things, like, um, you know, things going on with New World recently with their cash shop debacle, things with uh, World of Warcraft and their um, the dark portal pass that was coming up and kind of how that impacts like the Burning Crusade classic. Um, so just a bunch of variety around the genre there. And then on the Samorg ESO channel, which is the smallest of the channels currently, um, on that one, I uh, am I'm just mostly focusing on like theory crafting builds, things I just enjoy playing, not trying to do anything meta min max or just things that are just fun. And anything that I pretty much feel is like fun for me, I feel like it could be fun to put out there for other people who might also resonate with it. Um, not a lot of guides or anything, mostly just like different builds, fun builds. I'm kind of working on here in the near future when I have some time doing some uh, just, you know, kind of like more casual player builds to where it's it's something that really performs well, has a really low bar for entry in terms of getting the gear um, and just making it something that can perform really well for people. Um, so I mostly just focus on builds there, but occasionally I'll do um, like, you know, some top tips and stuff. Uh, one of those videos did make it onto the Elder Scrolls uh, page about a year ago. Um, when I had that video over on my other channel, uh, like before I kind of separated things, um, that I've also got the Ashes Pathfinder podcast, which is the, I guess you could say has the most episodes over the course of the game's development at this time. Um, we were what at a hundred and, oh my gosh, like 37, 38, I think this weekend, yeah, lose count, uh, episodes for that. And occasionally we have on, um, we've had the CEO, uh, creative director come on that several times over the years. Um, and it's a primary Ashes of Creation podcast that's been covering the game and its development, um, uh, basically covering it every week. Um, that one's like, so we do air these live. They do go to audio format on like Spotify, iTunes and all that. Um, but looking for more and Ashes Pathfinders, uh, both air at 5 p.m. CDT um, with the LFM show being on Thursdays and the Ashes Pathfinder show being on Sundays. And the Pathfinder show, we had Steven on not too long ago. Um, we've been super dedicated uh, in weekly content and weekly coverage of the game. And we actually have Margaret Crone, which uh, I guess this is a bit of a heads up for anybody who actually cares about Ashes that listens to your show. But um, we have Margaret Crone, the community marketing lead, coming on June 27th. Um, we had Steven on about a, about a month ago, I think. And uh, we have her coming on uh, on the 27th uh, to kind of talk about um, just like, you know, the different different com community marketing elements and kind of the content creator program revamp and and kind of some of her experience since she's been on the team for the past couple of years, um, kind of just curating a lot of community questions and things like that. So, um, and then aside from those things, <laughs> <laughs> aside from those things, I also uh, have been, well, I run a community curated website called asheshq.com, which is covering theory crafting discussion and analysis of ashes of creation. Um, I have been actually gathering uh, HQ team members recently, which are other content creators that will help to curate content there. Some curators um, aren't content creators, but they're gonna help to curate pages and update pages on the website. Um, not like a wiki, um, just more of like guides that are um, uh, kind of maintained by the community, a community of people that help to curate the content there. Um, the HQ team is kind of like the spearhead of that pay, uh, website though, which are the people that provide video 
you know, content that helps to outline the different game systems and help people to understand Ashes of Creation. And uh, the HQ specifically is uh, there to make information easy to digest for people because Ashes of Creation has a lot of layers. And um, making it easy for people to understand and, and kind of easy to digest so that they can uh, understand the game and its uh, functions, its systems, uh, you know, the mechanics that are involved is something that we strive for there. Um, and it's currently getting a facelift, so it looks really nice now. And I'm adding a ton of new pages to outline about every element of the game. And uh, once I get done doing that, then I get to move back over to my personal website, which is mortgagehq.com, to kind of make sure that's where I put all the stuff that I'm doing that I just talked about and tying all those things in together there so that there's like a central hub for pretty much everything I'm uh, doing currently. And I think that about covers it in terms of content. <laughs> that's that's wow. enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a I'm, lot. I'm high-fiving you in the air right now because Thanks, that, man. <laughs> I, I know the amount of work that uh, you're just uh, working away right now. Very exciting to be on board, too, this early with, with Ashes. Like, mm -hmm. if you think about it, what's your guess uh, as how long until that game launches or goes live? if you had to um, guess had actually had a conversation like i i feel like a good running estimate for any mmorpg in development is probably to aim a goalpost realistically of five to seven years and i would probably say that's a a solid goalpost and expectation perhaps for anyone waiting on a game of that size <clears throat> and that being said I, I think i'd probably even say like triple a or just a studio that has the size and capabilities ashes of creations intrepid studio says um and we're in the five year range i feel that well not quite actually five years wouldn't be until technically the middle of like 2022 when they did their kickstarter if we wanted to actually gauge it that way if we went off of when the game was found out to be uh in in the works that would have been the end of 2016 um so i think probably a couple years is realistic um assuming that there's no big delays or anything it could be less but i tend to i tend to um speculate um a little more realistic on the possibility of there being uh, delays and things they had one big delay um over a year and a half two years ago um they were working on a lot of the foundational coding and stuff for the back end and they've since really made a lot of gains in the testing currently which is by the way something i could talk about because i've been involved in testing since alpha zero um and uh, we recently had the the okay from steven uh to share and i actually messaged him i was like hey just want to make sure man <laughs> just want to clarify all the way back to Alpha Zero, I could talk about all the experiences up until now. And he was like, yes. And I'm like, all right, cool, thanks. Because I just wanted to make sure I wasn't... Because uh, I've, I've tested a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And um, I just wanted to make sure. So the, the beauty of that is I can share all of my experience since the end of 2017 now. And um, I can say that there's been significant gains specifically in like the past year. The past year or so has been... I mean, they have made significant gains. And the past several months have been boy they've just been really really big gains um so they keep the momentum going and they can continue to get more people hired at the studio that fit the studio culture i think the goal post of two years or less is very 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 likely 
Yeah, see, as a content creator, I think that's super exciting for you. You're on mm. the bus well before it even hits the road. You know, it's doing mm -hmm. the ready check right now. They're checking yeah. the air pressure and all that stuff and tire pressure. And so mm -hmm. um, that's pretty exciting to be a content creator that early. And then also it sounds like the uh, developers uh, embrace your efforts and are acknowledging your efforts and assisting your efforts. So, mm -hmm. man, look out. Like, you your uh, content for um, Ashes of Creation is kind of like early Bitcoin, I think. <laughs> how, how do I invest? How do I get involved? <laughs> because right. in a year or two, this thing's going to be an absolute monster for you. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting. Yeah, I've already got a, a group of people that are behind me, and I'm, I'm really lucky. I worked pretty hard last year to just my, – my focus has always been community. Um, I'd say more so than just like really my channels or to me, it's more important to have like a healthy, thriving community, the people I just enjoy spending time with. Um, if I don't have that, like it's the rest of it just feels pointless to me. All the work feels pointless. Um, and so I'm, I feel very fortunate because over the past like year or so, as the ashes of creation community itself has bolstered, so has the people that gather around what I call my central flame or the, the hub uh that we have so to speak um and there's a lot of great people there we um last year we raised ten thousand dollars for charity um for the towards the radies children's hospital in san diego and like you know i mean that was just probably the most reinforcing affirmation that this is definitely what i should be doing so stay in the course man yeah that's awesome yeah how do you um, tell us more about this LFM podcast and what involvement does it have with ESO? Like what kind, what, uh, hmm. coverage have you done for ESO? Oh man, I've talked about the Elder Scrolls Online a lot on that show. I've even referenced the Elder Scrolls Online on, um, the Ashes Pathfinder podcast, but the LFM show specifically really does hit on a lot of the variety of MMORPGs, the ones that are just drive you bonkers and the ones that you love, love the hate. Um, and the Elder Scrolls is one that I, I mean, I, I, I love the Elder Scrolls. I, I love this. I love the entire universe. It's one of my favorite universes in fantasy, uh, along with like the Warcraft universe and now the Ashes of Creation universe. And, um, we've talked a lot on there, I think about some of the things that, you know, have been problematic from my experience. Uh, a lot of the bigger things that have been happening with, you know, of course, uh, ZeniMax Online Studios, Bethesda being purchased by Microsoft, uh, which was a really big discussion point. Um, talking about a lot of the big changes to the CP system was something that we chat over the recent past about. Um, I think the Endeavor system is something more recently that I've spent a little time sharing and talking about there. Um, the LFM show, is again, it's like really just about bringing people of different walks. Uh, we've got like the Nathan Napalm. He does a lot of more niche content around like, um, uh, for he does, he's more YouTube, YouTube content. I think he's, he covers a lot of like EverQuest and he's more specifically focused on Pantheon Rise of the Fallen right now. Um, and then we've got Renfell on there currently who uh, was the, basically created the universe, uh, the stories for Saga Leucemia. Um, but there's a whole debacle around that one. Uh, so it's a whole different story, but people that kind of come on there and it's kind of a place for people who are passionate about gaming to just talk about the things they they love seeing that's driving them nuts like cautionary tales and the elder scrolls comes up there um a lot as sometimes a point of frustration um also a very heavy point of uh, nostalgia um 
you know, I think I was, I've been very excited about the CP changes. Um, sucks when you think about 3,600, but at the same time, it feels like the CP system is so much more meaningful than it used to be. Um, at least in my mind, it is, it makes a lot more sense to me. Um, still another reason to grind and now CP actually feels like it has a you know reason to have X amount. Um, you're not just like locked out at a certain point, but, um, man, Mostly, I just talk about the universe as a whole. I mean, it's the game that I've played since beta. Um, I've, I always said if there was an Elder Scrolls MMORPG, I would probably always play it. Um, and I have always played it on and off, whether it was like I take a break and I come back, or I've just been like dug in deep for months and months on end. Um, it, it's it's definitely definitely one of my favorite uh stories and so it comes up there as a point of reference of just really good stories and i mean the new expansion coming out man it's like oh i'm out really happy that <laughs> really happy that the month of june there's not really any showcasing of ashes of creation because i plan to play <laughs> the hell out of this expansion and enjoy the story and oblivion was my favorite elder scrolls game so, yeah, so you're gonna get a taste of that jumping into mm -hmm. those oblivion yeah. portals. So I nerd so hard when I saw those portals. I was like, oh, oh my god! Oh, I was nerding so hard. I was geeking out to the max when I saw just, oh my god, we're gonna be able to go in there, and it's so nostalgic, man. It looks so nice compared to back in the day because it's gotten such a facelift. But oh, you so know, stoked. you you had brought up the CP tree. The one thing I did notice, I agree with you. I like the champion point changes uh, mm -hmm. because before you could really have it all. Um, mm -hmm. You could be a medium armor cap mm -hmm. resistance, you know, for PVP sakes, you know, you could mm -hmm. just have it all. And so I like what they did. I felt like it was um, good changes and mm -hmm. I don't like that they kind of dialed back a little bit going into Blackwood with the CP because now I can jump on and it only takes about 1,100 to 1,200 CP. And yeah. at 1,100 to 1,200 CP, you have it all, at least all right. that's available. I have all my slottables and all my passives. So it makes you wonder, mm -hmm. what's the point of 3,600? Why is 3,600 the cap when you can have every every passive and every slottable at 11 or 1200 cp so mm -hmm. i thought that that was kind of interesting but you know maybe uh, they'll they'll adjust it as they go so yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah no, I, I just like to think of it like they're kind of future proofing so i'm hoping that that delta that difference between we'll, we'll just say 1100 1100 and 3600 they're gonna fill that whole constellation with whatever it is coming down the line that's what i would like to think if they're yeah. gonna you know make mm -hmm. it that much you know that they're gonna give us so much more champion points to use so yeah yeah i kind of i can't help but wonder like i i i'm not one of their you know i'm not on their team i don't have any inside scoops or anything like that but you know i look at it and i look at it i'm a, I'm a patterns person you know like i look at the patterns i look at the the what seems like the method and if the champion tree revamp, you know, and this is just me speculating and just, you know, educated guess. Um, but my mind is like, if the champion tree, if they're really wanting to test out if this is really viable in its current iteration and to, to, you know, build upon this and see if these changes genuinely do benefit the game as a whole, then I, I think in my mind, it kind of makes sense to put all that stuff that maybe you want to test or up front 
to where it's easier to access for the greater you know population because i think the majority of people could get to 1200 relatively quickly if they play regularly um and i, I use that term lightly like you know quickly i think it's still a significant time to to put time in for somebody who plays like as an avid player in the game i think they can get to 1200 relatively quickly right now um but then it kind of makes me wonder too like if they put all that up front for the people who need to be able to perform well and then you know but there i think there's also people that may not even care about that you know there's the more casual people who may just focus on like the the you know increases to like looting treasure or to increases to you know speed mount speed and sprint and all that and and quicker looting and uh of of gatherables and whatnot but i mean you know people might be more focused on this other stuff than than that but i think for people that are focused specifically on the end game they probably put it up there so that the people who do have like 3600 don't have like this crazy advantage over the people that don't have as much yeah. or could maybe play as much um but i think also the idea of you know testing it out i mean because if you have a greater population of people who could test it out at that, that easier to um you know it's easier for them to get to that point to get those points to try them all then you get more data back on that too and then i think whenever you look at um them potentially expanding upon that and building on that in the future like you know icy was saying uh then yeah I, I could totally see that side too of the potential to expand upon it and after you've kind of tested out the maybe first stage yeah, yeah. see i think this is all intriguing and you know who could answer this for us i see huh. could uh can you pull our second guest for today's podcast in miss gina bruno oh <laughs> just kidding she's not here i was like <laughs> uh, you know something yeah. I don't. <laughs> uh she never responded to my email so. uh, it feels bad <laughs> it feels bad uh, but yeah you know that would be somebody that'd be perfect to kind of like hey what's the I I I want to know just the plans for long term, you know, and just mm. point those things out. Like thirty six hundred's a lot. We yeah. could do everything with eleven hundred. Mm. What's the plan, you know? And mm. so I don't know. Man, maybe she doesn't know, and whatever. But that would have been funny. Anyway. So, <laughs> so um, I guess to what Simic was saying with the, I guess like kind of make like the base very simple and then all the like slottables like easily mm -hmm. accessible because like right mm -hmm. now you kind of have to like daisy chain your way up to get to something not not so much as it was eh, i'm trying to think the last no nah, not so much for the last cp system but for some of the nodes mm -hmm. you have to you know just you got to put some points into into it uh or into a few just to get to one particular node but i think in terms of aesthetics they have like a they have a mage they have a an archer and some warrior guy that they literally have to fit the constellation around right kind of like you're connecting the dots on a drawing or something like that i think that kind of limits them where they can't do they can't make the structure as simple because you're mm -hmm. trying to match a creativity create creatively but if you just kind of left it as like maybe just one big circle and then you just had one dot in the middle that was like your base and then any other point along the circle was a slottable. So then you just had a, a a circle of dots that you could just connect to any which one. Then once you get to four dots, then now you're on par with anybody else, no matter what CP they were. And then that would just mm -hmm. require everybody to have, we'll say the first, the, the initial node in the center of the circle was 50. And then 
four solubles, we'll just say is 50 all around. So you just need 250 CP, and then no matter what, however much CP you gain after that, we're all on the same page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good well, point too. So how long have you been playing ESL? Oh man, since uh. Was it like the fall of 2013 before the game launched? I was doing the closed. Uh, all right, this is a little bit of a reference. So anybody who played on PCNA who remembers when the game launched might have remembered the guild's name before I have since renamed it. Um, at launch, we were called Force, and we were one of the one of the most dedicated. PCNA guilds. Um, we were kind of one of the ones that you, you kind of knew the name of when the game launched uh, because we had a lot of top-end kind of like WoW Raiders and things of that nature uh, that were in there. Really, really good players. And uh, I, was, I led that guild into through the closed betas into the launch of the game. Unfortunately, a lot of those people that were super into the rating at the time, if you remember the state of the game at that point, it was a little rough. Um, a lot of people were really upset about the fact that you could go get those PvP uh, passives and active abilities, and you could utilize that in uh, the trials at the mm -hmm. time. And so, a lot of them, unfortunately, with the, that and the grind of getting to max level, which was pretty extensive. Um, I mean, I got there because I grinded really hard. There were a lot of people that just got so burned by the grinding process at the launch, and um, it was like basically all story. I mean, it was like just doing quests. To get your XP, um, and so a lot of them stopped playing, um, and so that was you know, after that I went. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get my emperor, and then you know, then I'll see what happens. I got got my emperor. Um, I think it was like August or something, 2014, and then after that I kind of played casually, um, on and off. Come back for more like serious phases, but I've been playing it for since yeah, since the very beginning. So I've seen it through the the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, I don't miss the uh VR rank grind, that's for <laughs> sure. And, and when they first initially announced that and had that change, um it wasn't account wide either. So I I I did that grind on two separate characters mm -hmm. before they connected, you know, the accounts so that way yeah. once you've done it once it's but it's whatever. Uh it's all water under mm -hmm. the bridge now. Um, the past, you know. yeah. What's your favorite aspect of ESO PVE, PVP, RP? What's the what? Mm. Do, what, what do you like? Um, I have been, yeah, that's a good question. So, I, I was really enjoying the battlegrounds. Um, I play them quite a, I play them quite a, quite a bit. Um, I do tend to get kind of, kind of burned out on them sometimes. So. I do shift over and I'll, I'll kind of like just like really like play them a lot. And then I'll, I'll kind of get to a place where like the whole, the, the, the proc sets kind of get a little old for me. Um, it kind of gets a little, a little boring. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of rotate and I might get into like this, like mode of just dungeon grinding. Just basically, I got like 16 characters or whatever. So I'll, basically just like tune hop and there's always something to do on another character so i can you know go unlock some skill points or i can go get some sky shards i mean i the thing about elder scrolls online is the world looks just gorgeous and they've done an amazing job with the art style and the aesthetic like design that they went for 
Um, so it's like a good balance of like realism, but not too real to where the graphics get outdated really quick. Um, so for that reason, uh, just I'll run around and I mean, I could be picking herbs, listening to music, hanging out and chat with my friends. I could uh, run around, I get on and I don't do RP. Um, I have like my little RP moments where I'm like, lights, justice reigns, you know, and I'll like scream it as I'm going <laughs> into battle or something, but nothing, too, nothing like, you know, where I go pick a point in the world and like have some dialogue or anything. Um, <laughs> you know, but mostly I'd say, I'd say PVP is, um, I, I haven't enjoyed serial PVP for years now. Um, because I look at it from the perspective of cost, like the time, I don't feel like for the amount of time you spend that I don't feel like it's as rewarding for me as battlegrounds have been. Um, but I would say I, I balance in between feeling my hardcore days where I just want to get really into theory crafting and create a build and then kind of getting into my days where I'm like, I just kind of feel like jumping into a dungeon, just, you know, putting myself on autopilot or running around and picking up sky shards and, you know, you know, clearing points on a map off on a character that I, you know, give, give a little bit more love. Um, I don't mind doing those things. So it's it's kind of like therapeutic for me to do those other things. Um, whereas like the PvP thing is like my try hard. I mean, I did some trials with some homies last night, um, the Yellow Guild. Um, I was like hanging out with a lot of them and uh, uh, went and did a trial with them. It was just, you know, fun times. I think we did, um, oh my gosh. Oh my God. This is horrible. I can't remember the name right now. It's probably because it's early in the day. I don't know what to say. Halls of Fabrication. Thank you. Um, I swear I knew it. It's early <laughs> for me. You're like you guys are like it's 3 p.m., dude. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> this is like early in the day for me because I my sleep schedule. But anyway, yeah. The point is, is uh, yeah. When did that? And that was a lot of fun. Just that you know, feeling of successfully completing something as a group is always just a really good time. It, Always goes back to community for me, though. If I can engage in good times with good people, um, that's my jam, man. Why? Yeah. Why do you think the um, or for you in particular, the mm -hmm. rewards in Cyrodiil um, aren't as good as the rewards in Battlegrounds? I know, I, I know, you're not talking mm -hmm. the actual rewards, but I think it's from. I got a sense yeah. that it's just the like the the style of the gameplay or something like that. I liked it a lot more. Um, okay, so. It just has changed the dynamic in there has changed so much over the years that, you know, it doesn't take you so long to take a keep anymore. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, the main thing for me though, is like it, you, you spend so much time traveling, you know, you could be running to get somewhere for a battle, which is totally understandable. It's a massive map. It's meant to be that way for a reason. Um, but you know that that sometimes you go to get there and the keep is gone so quickly, or it used to be it got flagged like early early days. I'm not talking early days here, but it would get flagged and it was like oh no, and then it would be like the battle would last a while. I mean, you still get your battles like that, but you could blow a keep up and take it if you're you know even a small coordinated group relatively quickly, and you just couldn't take it as a small group quickly back in the day. So you'd have more time to get there. So it's like that element of, you know, traveling on your mount to get somewhere. You get there and it's already gone. Um, while I understand that's completely the way the game is designed and that's just the nature of the beast. Um, when I look at it from a cost-benefit analysis for me and I talk about my time, I feel like I get more opportunities for success queuing in Battlegrounds 
than I do in Cyrodiil kind of running around a lot. Um, yeah. But I'll still go in Cyrodiil just to run around for fun. I just don't always now, I don't always now do it for the, the actual PvP. Um, yeah. Yeah. Deltia likes to refer to it as a mount simulator. <laughs> yeah, so is. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd agree with that. <laughs> when I asked your favorite aspect, I had uh, PvE, PvE, PvP, and RP mm -hmm. in there, and I, I'm gonna probably continue to add RP mm -hmm. to people because I think that there's this. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily partake in the RP aspects of it, but I had two role play encounters um over just this last week and both of them were over on the eu server i've been leveling mm -hmm. characters over there oh, nice. and i'm standing at the battlegrounds uh quest giver mm -hmm. and i'm leveling my teenage mutant ninja turtle over there leonardo <laughs> <laughs> and uh there's a uh smeagol there's a little guy <laughs> makes him look perfectly like Smeagol. Remember I see how Emma was using that um emote where he's like crouched over eating a rat or eating something. Yeah, but... we uh we 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 <laughs> I'm just laughing just thinking about what we did to make it look like that. So he was using the I think the the beast bestiality uh personality that you get from March of Sacrifices and then he had his wood elf, you know, as emaciated as small as possible and then we took a picture of him in the sewers and then i had my i had my um my chat bubbles up and then i had emma say like you know uh just like you know my precious or something like that so it can really sell the scene there it was it was a pretty good photo yeah i so it was funny because that reminded me of Emma. And so when Icy showed me Emma in that costume, they had Emma out in the sewers, like just hunched over eating a corpse or eating a rat or something. Oh. And I come up on it and I <laughs> look just like him, just like him. It was so awesome. Well, I'm over on the EU server and there's a guy named Smeagol over there who was doing the exact same thing. And he's standing around. He's a CP nightblade standing around waiting for his battleground to pop and i saw that and i messaged him i said hey that is awesome that is awesome i love seeing that and he just starts talking in zone chat or in say you know just completely role-playing you know and i was like oh this guy's got like a full script <laughs> like he's using a full script here he's going off script and i was laughing so hard and then he traded me and i thought it was an accident so i canceled the first time then he traded me and he said you know trade me and so i traded him mm -hmm. and he traded me a white level one ring called um that he made and his name was smeagol the precious or something like that and so he trades me this ring and a fish stick <laughs> those are the two things <laughs> he traded me and i'm like oh that's so funny what does he just like trade these things or like if somebody trash talks him he mails them to him <laughs> you know like you got killed by smeagol and and uh pretty funny and so while we're standing there he goes well time to put my precious on and he goes bye, and then he just disappeared in front of me. So I'd imagine that his um, cue popped for battlegrounds, and that's you know before he disappeared to into the battleground. That's what he did. And I thought that's really cool, like very creative. And um, so then I'm down in the sewers, 
And right as soon as you pop into the sewers, the main entrance of the sewers, there's probably about 10 people all in the same guild and they're lined up or they're lining up and they're posing doing the salute pose and of course i'm on leonardo i look like a teenage mutant ninja turtle and i see this and i'm like oh, i'm gonna jump in here and see what they do you know because they're pretty they're role-playing pretty hard and so i just jump in and do the same pose and two of them acknowledge me and they just like build the line around me and work with like i'm part of them now and one of the other ones actually said one of us you know and so I just stood there for a little bit and was listening as their leader was pacing back and forth. We're going to go into the wild. You need to be brave. You need strike first, strike fast, strike hard. And, you know, he's pacing back and forth and, you know, uh, giving his, his speech like they're getting ready to go into PvP battle. And I thought that was pretty funny. And I wasn't going to wait too much longer. So I was like, well, I got a pizza on the way. I got to go and <laughs> just, you know, dipped out. <laughs> but, uh, I think that that's probably, I know Northhold runs into some RP groups from time to time, but I think that's probably, um, that's the most, um, that's the group that I don't know the most about, I guess, in ESL, is the, the RP, you know, groups that are out there and what they're doing and how they're having fun, and so I at least want to acknowledge them, so. Yeah, yeah. I think... For for me, as far as RPing goes, you know, whenever I'm on my uh, Khajiit Necro, and somebody says something in his own chat, I'll just say something like, "This one thinks you're an idiot," or something like that, <laughs> just to like you know appropriate the correct uh, form of speech that Khajiits use. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> so, tell us about Ashes of Creation. Uh, even, even though we focus on ESO, but we want to know yeah. about Ashes of Creation and. Uh, and then can you tell us about the likenesses, differences of Ashes versus ESO and, you know, mm -hmm. the good, both the good and the bad? Um, yeah, sure. Okay, let me see if I can put this into a nice, easy <laughs> to digest. <laughs> Ashes is cute. All right, discussion point there. Um, so, okay, the, the main gist is, I mean, kind of give you the same thing I regurgitate to everybody, which is, you know, the Ashes of Creation is an open-world, non-faction-based MMORPG. It's set in a high-fantasy world. The goals with the game is, is not to be a WoW killer. It's just to bring the massive feeling back to a massively multiplayer game, which is an MMORPG. Um, so uh, there's several of their design pillars that, that really stand out when you kind of, like, think about that. Um, so the biggest one uh, in my mind is the just massive foundational component, which is their node system. Um, and uh, the node system essentially is uh, you, know, you have 118 nodes in the world, right? Uh, this 480 square kilometer world at launch, and the 100 and, uh, well 103 regular nodes, 118 total, but 103 of these regular nodes. Uh, that are spread out in the world that have their own zones of influence, right? So everything that you do in the world, um, every, every experience that you gain, and depending on where you're at, will be contributing into a node based on if you're in its zone of influence or not, right? And the zones of influence aren't these like perfectly um, well-shaped uh, zones and circles or squares, they're, you know, abstract shaped. Um, um, and so, as you're running around as a player, whatever you're doing, any experience you're gaining is contributing to, via the node of influence, the node. 
and the the nodes level up so you go from like an encampment basically at the earliest stages to a metropolis at the final stages and there's limited amount of metropolises um the before getting into too many of the details on that though just basically the thing you got to know is when you contribute when you gain experience as a player your experience is contributed to a node that helps that node develop and that's how civilization develops in this barren landscape that is there when you get there um and you know the these nodes these towns these uh, different cities and things that can sprout up are um, shaped by the experience but also like say you've got a bunch of dwarves right the majority of the people that are dwarves uh or the dunir are um gaining experience in a zone of influence for a specific node and let's say that you got a, a lot of a lot of dwarves in that location at that time and that's gaining more experience than a lot of other nodes well it will develop quicker and further along and its style and architecture will be based on the highest contributing race so then as a result the do near architecture style is what you're going to see be most prominent for that node as it develops and continues to develop um so that's kind of their like one of the number one pillars that are outlined is the node system right the other one's meaningful conflict um, having meaningful, you know, conflict just means that, like, you know, these there there's a big risk versus reward element um, in the game. So this is an open world game. There is PvP in the game. Um, so you've got things like meaningful conflict, which would be like your uh, castle system, node node sieges, guild wars, battlegrounds, uh, caravan system. Um, you got like the economy, which is your other pillar, which is like your third pillar, and the economy is essentially. Uh, it focuses on incentivizing the players to interact with the world. So we think through trade, buying, selling, um, these caravans that we talked about, like, you know, shipping goods to another marketplace in another city, um, essentially like mirroring this competitive advantage that different cities, different regions have in the world like we do in our own, right? Um, thinking about um, maybe a specific area in the world is the place you get mithril. Maybe you don't get mithril in every other part of the world. Maybe it's a specific area and maybe a town or a city that sprouts up is by this, you know, area that Mithril is farmable. Um, well, then that uh, gives them something to trade to other regions. Um, there's also the narrative, and that's like the fourth main pillar, uh, aside from the economy, and that's the the narrative is this the story, the overarching narrative that is delivered both to the individual and the greater members of the community. Um, this is the one that kind of holds it all together. Um, you could have different NPCs, different quests, things like that that can tend to pop up um, in the world. And you know, you might be somebody who gets a quest where somebody doesn't. And it could be a combination of like your class, your race, um, some other uh, narrative storyline that you've been following that we have yet to know about. Um, they're keeping a lot of the lore close to the chest, although we do know quite a bit about the game and the lore around the game. Um, it's pretty rich. Uh, Ashes of Creation was a comes from a homebrewed campaign that Stephen Sharif created for his D&D campaign, or actually Pathfinder campaign, um, years and years and years ago. And um, I think the biggest thing to think of when you think of Ashes of Creation versus a lot of other MMORPGs, like Elder Scrolls Online, for example, is it is a true open world game. Uh, the world will evolve or decay based on the player choices. So we think about player agency, and player agency is essentially, um, for people who may not know uh, what, what that really means, um, in an MMORPG, what that means, or agency means, is like it's the degree to which a character's actions, um, based on like your, your choices as a player, 
um, your decisions and the game mechanics that are there, like these pillars I talked about, um, influence the game's progress. Um, so the pillars that we talked about are like the game engine behind the game and the player choices or decisions are basically what shape the world. So even though it's non-faction based, you'll have people that will create their own pseudo factions, right? And by pseudo factions, what I mean is um, they will form their alliances, meaningful alliances built around common goals and uh, things that they're aligned to. I mean, there's religions in the game. There's so many layers to the lore in the game that I could spend like hours talking about. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but there's no, so when we talk about some of the big differences, right, we kind of give you a snapshot of what Ashes is. Now, compared to the Elder Scrolls Online, you can queue for dungeons in the Elder Scrolls. You can queue for Cyrodiil. Um, you can queue for a lot of things. And similar like World of Warcraft, you can queue for a lot of things as well, right? But Ashes of Creation really focuses on keeping you in the world and that the world is your playground. Um, whereas, you know, the world in the Elder Scrolls Online, it's a cutout for you to experience certain content. Um, but, you know, in order to experience conflict and this war that happens between the three alliances, right, the Ebonheart Pact, the Daggerfall Covenant, and the Aldermary Dominion, you know, this uh, Ouroboros, as we see in their logo, right, this, the three uh, alliances that are essentially fighting over the Imperial Throne, um, the difference is, is that you don't have factions in Ashes of Creation. Um, in Ashes of Creation, the alliances are formed naturally between the players and their objectives and their um, agendas. And in the Elder Scrolls Online, um, you know, you are limited in some of that. You know, you've got to go from, if you want to go from one area on the map to another, you have to teleport or you have to, um, you know, you have to like run through a, uh, one zone to another through that loading screen real quick. Um, and in Ashes, you don't have that. So it's a true open world game. The only thing that they've even discussed being instanced is going to be um, potential arenas in the future. Um, the other main thing to think about when you think about like big differences is if you're into PVE content, um, there are going to be like uh, open world dungeons. Um, oh man, I could talk about this forever. Um, I'm going to try not to get into it too much, but think of rating in The Elder Scrolls Online, you have limit to your rating. What is it, like 12 or 24? Sorry. Right, 24 yeah. is the cap for raids right now? If I'm uh, okay. 12, uh, 12, 12. Is it 12? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. So 12, you have a 12-person trial group or raid group currently in the Elder Scrolls Online. Um, and in Ashes of Creation, you can get up to 40. So it's the return of the 40-person raids. So they're bringing back that massive feeling. You used to have, like, think about World of Warcraft back in the day. Mm -hmm. You had your 40-person raids. You went into this massive, you know, raid to to go in there, and also it's a game that's not going to have add-ons, so you're not going to have damage meters that are going to be in the game. You're not going to have um, add-ons to tell you things about what you're doing. It's going to be very much based on um, situational awareness and mechanics, and being able to communicate to you know resolve those those threats in in the game without the use of those other types of things. So it's yeah. A lot of the customization that's going to exist in the game is going to come with the game. And, uh, yeah, it's it's all about bringing that massive back. They they don't have the intention of being a WoW killer or an ESO killer or anything like that. They they just want to make a good game um, that, you know, you can live in that universe of theirs, which is super rich with lore, by the way. Um, gotten a lot of lore in the past several years. Uh, but, you know, with, with ESO and Ashes, the big comparison is it's a very different... Very different universe. Um, I think the good 
with Ashes as the player agency element versus, you know, you don't really have that same level of player agency in ESO. Um, but, you know, with, with Ashes of Creation, uh, some of the bad is that the game's in development. Uh, the game does have, you know, issues in development right now because, you know, it's just not a AAA studio, right? Um, one of the things that works in ESO's favor and, and probably also something that works against it, in my opinion, is that it is a AAA studio company that runs it. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of things like in the cash shop that some people, you know, would consider a problem. Um, and this is something that in Ashes of Creation, they have committed against completely. Um, so no pay to win, not that Ash the Elder Scrolls Online has pay to win. They have more pay to convenience elements, but um, Ashes of Creation has a very strict no pay to win element. Um, cosmetics in the cash shop, yes, uh, but nothing that provides an advantage. Um, they've been super hardcore about it for a long time. Um, they want all the best things to be achievable and gained through in-game merit. Like, so the best stuff will be in the game, um, whether that's crafting a legendary, um, getting a, you know, a royal or you know, legendary flying mount, which is only achievable, by the way, um, if you are a mayor of a node or a castle, um, like, owner. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, though, is that Ashes of Creation's in development. It is not a AAA studio. So, you know, it's had its delays and it's, you know, they're a smaller team. So they have, you know, when, when there's a problem, it can delay things. And I think delay things sometimes a little longer than you would see with like a AAA company that is putting an MMO out because they have just have the, you know, the person power and the funds to just make sure that they push it along, get it done quicker. Um, you know, and Dale Scrolls Online has been around for a long time, so it's already got this thriving community. Um, but you know, I think the a big a big difference though is that I, I just I go back to you know I don't I'm not of this like tribalist camp that one a game one MMO uh, like in order for it to succeed the others have to suck and fail, um, and that's something that the CEO and creative director for Ashes also he he also shares that same perspective like he doesn't have this perspective of like, you know, our MMO has got to be the one you play and all the others suck. Um, and I think that's a very important piece to the foundational piece to the people, you know, to the person leading this company. Um, as he kind of like rallies on other games that are doing well and that are succeeding and stuff. And, um, you know, the big difference though, I think is that the universes are just so vastly different, uh, but it's also a good thing because for both of the games because they both have very rich lore um very dedicated you know communities um very you know thriving communities ashes for being in development has a, has a very solid thriving community um but yeah when i think about the bad i just think that um with eso there's a lot of things that i i do wish that weren't there i wish that the cash shop wasn't as prevalent as it is um i wish that most of the best things you could get in the game were we're not in the like you can get really amazing mounts right but you can't like if you compare what can be bought in the elder scroll shop versus what you can gain and achieve in the game the difference is drastic right and that has been my biggest problem with dso over the years i you know also used to have a big problem with the games foundation like implementing systems that things they said they would never do um that were big problems for me. Like the one, you know, the one Tamriel, like making it to where you could see all the other people and different areas and all that. 
you know, um, something they said they wouldn't do. So those are the types of things that were bad for me. Now, some of those things that they've changed, I think were good. Like I think being able to any, you know, run around with my friends in the world and not be separated regardless of their alliance, I think was probably a really good choice. Um, changes to the cash shop though, um, for Elder Scrolls Online has been my biggest problem. So when they said they had the Endeavor system, um, I was, you know, uh, pretty impressed that they decided to make that choice. I think it was something that is going to be so good for the game. Um, Can you I elaborate could, yeah. on the Endeavor system to the best sure. knowledge for people that don't know? So basically the stuff and things you do in the game allow you to collect these, you know, uh, what are they called? Are they called scrolls, I think, um, in the game. And these are sort of like a currency. And these currency that you get from endeavors, or we could just say your endeavors are your, what you're endeavoring to do in the game. So as you're running around and you're doing all the different things, and by the way, it's pretty much anything you're doing in the game for the most part, you can gain these seals. And these seals or scrolls or whatever you want to call them, these, this currency from endeavors, you can then take and you can outright just get these items that are in crown crates, which currently you can only get through purchasing in one form or another. Um, so most people, you know, either spend money and they purchase crown crates and then they get these items they want or they don't get it and they get crown gems and the crown gems can be used in some cases to outright purchase items as well but you're still talking about money unless you're somebody who trades your golds for crowns with other players in the game which is pretty prominent um and a lot of people do it and there's even a safe space for people to do that uh, i know gina bruno and the team monitor um I forget the, the tamriel um oh my gosh there's there's a there's an um oh my gosh i forget the name of it but anyway there's a crown buying discord and domain that you can go to that's observed by the devs and you know essentially they keep a watchful eye to keep people safe which is like kudos to them for doing that um yeah yeah i think one of them is world crown exchange that's the one that one of the i think that's in. i think that's a yeah crown exchange okay. one yeah wce yeah but endeavors are your way to basically through in-game merit doing what you do every day get stuff and things from those crates without having to spend your money. And that, to me, even though it's not the same thing as what I talked about wishing there was, is a nice diplomatic middle ground for what they currently have going on. Um, I think that's really a positive and very healthy for the game from my perspective, um, just my opinion. Um, I'd like to see more of that. I think the changes that they've been working on with the trying to resolve the issues um, with the uh, servers and Cyrodiil and the champion trees is a, a long time coming. I, I really do want to like cheerlead them on and I genuinely do hope that they find the resolution that's been plaguing the game for a long time. Um, I genuinely hope that Endeavors helps to resolve that like problem that I have with the cash shop. Um, that to me is, those are some of the things that have been the bad of ESO uh, more so than anything. They've been the things that have caused me to take breaks sometimes too um, in the past. Um, yeah. Just kind of feeling burned out by it. But again, I still love the Elder Scrolls Online and play it. Um, but these are things I think that ESO has been doing lately that, oh, like I'm just really happy to see that they're doing this. Yeah, it does give you, um, it, it does give you faith in the direction. I Ness yeah. ESO, have you ever watched any of his content on, mm. uh, on youtube 
Ness, N E S E S O. Um, anyways, he just did a video that said, you know, is ESO pay to win? And I, I think it kind of depends on everybody's definition of pay to win, but he kind of yeah. pleaded his very interesting case to it. He's like, you know, let's look at, you were talking about, you look at um, a rhythm or you look at, you know, uh, you said it earlier, but the, what you're looking at is basically, you know, an algorithm of, you know, activity. And he said, let's look at uh, ESO's algorithm or let's look at ESO's rhythm here. But they they introduce a paid chapter. And with that paid chapter comes these problematic proc sets and these mm. uh, extremely strong things. So obviously those are, in fact, behind a paywall. Yes. And and then he said, and then they also introduce mythics that you're only going to be able to get those mythics like Gaze of Sithis and stuff if you have access to that area. Mm. You'll probably yeah. have to scry it in that area. And he goes, so that, in essence, is, in fact, pay to win. If you want the strongest mythics and the strongest gear... And to compound the belief that it's pay to win, he says all the sets and all the things that were problematic previous to that, that were released from the last paid chapter, you know, that were hidden behind a paywall or whatever, mm -hmm. those things are now getting nerfed, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and it's like a, uh, you know, hey, we're finally going to get around to uh, taking care of Malakath for you guys. You know, congratulations. And it's just in time to nerf the old sets and push people into the new sets is basically, mm -hmm. you know. And I was like, you know, he's not wrong. But then I right. go and I, I read the description or I read the comments. And a lot of the people are like, that's not pay to win. You know, mm -hmm. and so it kind of makes me wonder what everyone's definition of pay to win is, is like if, yeah. you know, the only way that you're going to get the strongest PVP sets or the, the pro new problematic proc sets and the new whatever is if you have to pay to get those. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a successful business model. Number one, I don't want to mm -hmm. knock them on that, but it also right. is pay to win and they're nerfing the old sets, which makes you want to seek out the next new thing what's my pivot well my pivot needs to be to the next new powerful thing what's going to be now meta so what's your thoughts on all that <laughs> oh man i wasn't sure if i was going to hit on this <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> here we are when you ask you, oh man you're asking me the question man i'm gonna i'm gonna give you an i'm I'm going to give you my honest answer. Uh, Honesty is the best policy. Honesty it's the only way I roll, homie. So, I mean, I don't I don't sugarcoat it. If somebody wants the honest truth for me and what I think, I'm going to tell you. And uh, here's the thing. So, I think a lot of people these days get, they have a very rigid perspective. So, what's the classic definition of pay to win in an MMORPG or a game? Buying something outright in a store, that is the strongest thing in the game. So, you can only win or be the most successful if you have this item that you can only buy. That's the really rigid term. Now, I think a more loose, more, in my opinion, respectable term of pay to win is something that can be purchased to give a person an in-game advantage over somebody else in a cutout of content that they consider their focal point. So if your focal point is, I love to collect mounts, 
Okay. And I want to be a mount collector. And in order for me to get all the mounts, I have to buy them. Then I cannot be successful as the next person if I don't have as much money. I mean, that's the long and short of it. If my competitive thing is to be a mount collector and somebody who has more money than I do can go buy them all in the shop whenever they're available and I can't, then they're winning and I'm not. Um, the same could be said for if I'm a crafter and the person can buy these motifs in the shop and I can't afford it and they can get it before me. Then that I consider that that's what I'm saying. So like these are my versions of pay to win. Anything that gives you an advantage over somebody else where it's not strictly based on merit. Now that's just my working belief. Now I would agree with what Ness is saying that I also under, I understand both sides. Okay. I understand how the strict term of pay to win for somebody is you can't buy a, this thing directly from the shop. So it's not okay. Fair. But I also think that's a bit rigid and a little outdated because um, the way the business practices have evolved and changed over time uh, doesn't fit that strict uh, adherence to this guideline of, well, if it's not just an item in the shop, it doesn't count. I, I don't agree with that. I, I believe that if someone's in game is mount collecting or pet collecting or crafting or whatever, and someone can go buy and get the significant edge, like this big fiasco that happened with New World recently, right? They were testing this their things in their shop and their and it got leaked. They were testing an in-game store, right? And what was what was it that people were all in up in arms about? Well, they say in two sentences, like in two sentences, one says we don't want to we want to ensure that there is a competitive environment. The other sentence says, we are thinking about giving uh, skill boosters to trade skill boosters and experience boosters to players. Okay, well, it may not be an item, but is that pay to win? Well, if a game launches and that's in there, absolutely, in my mind, because that means somebody can get from point A to B quicker than the other because they had the money. Um, I also think with Elder Scrolls, when Ness talked about expansions, yeah, it totally happens. Uh, I think it's a good business model because it makes them a lot of money. Um, I don't really think it's respect to, respectable to the players, though, or respectful to the players, in my opinion. Now, I don't think that that's necessarily... This isn't, and I think it's also very important when I say this, that when we see the developers like Gina and Rich and all of them, like, this isn't them, man, okay? Like, this, this is the higher-ups that decide the business model. These are the people that are on that board, that corporate perspective. These aren't the developers, man. And I think it's important to point that out, too, because I think a lot of times when we see these things happen, people do get upset. They direct that towards them. Um, and I don't really feel like that's very fair uh, because that's not, that's not, you know, if you don't want to, if you want to, you know, use your dollar, right? Use your dollar if you want things to change. That's the thing we just come back to. Yeah. Um, I but, saw yeah. that. I saw that mess, that video from him, and I was like, you know, I've been feeling that way lately with ESO, and yeah. I recognize the sustainable business model. Like I, yep. under, I, I see what they're doing, and yep. I understand it. But then there's also that whole side of it. But is it right? And so I don't agree that with thing. it. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, because like you get the best, you get the necromancer blowing stuff up, man. If you don't got the necromancer in PvP, you can get kind of dumped on by a man like yeah that's the know? other thing too was the classes you know so warden and necromancer when they their kits had yep they were they had impressive kits and mm -hmm. when we talked to dots gaming who was there actually traveled and tested mm -hmm. before launch and was telling us about the necromancer and the warden 
you know, pre-launch for them and mm -hmm. how strong they were. Both Delta and Dots both expressed their concerns yeah. for those classes being launched. You yeah. know, even even Delta today, if you were to jump on one mm -hmm. of his streams earlier, like when they were launched, yeah. he would tell you that he wasn't happy about Wardens yeah. and Necromancers and how strong they were, and it 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 uh, is shameful to the to the consumer that's currently playing the game when you're going to release something like that behind a wall. And yeah. I I see it. I don't know, but. I don't know. I, I think they need to watch that very, very carefully because they're walking a very thin line right now between being pay to win and not from a PvP standpoint. And if you don't want to have anything mm -hmm. to do with PvP, like if you want to kill your PvP game, your competitive PvP game, you'll continue down the path where they're at right now. Mm -hmm. and, I agree. And, and what will happen is the competitive PvP game will be like, look, you just can't, you can't be meta, you can't be mid max in this game, you can't be whatever without purchasing the next new thing. You just can't. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's pay to win. So, and no. as soon as they get that that tag or that they're dubbed that, it's going to be uh, tragic for their that side of the game. And mm -hmm. so, I don't know. Yeah, I do agree I, with that, though. I mean, it's it sucks, but I, I do unfortunately agree with what they're saying. I I feel like I have mixed feelings about it, just because I'm I'm just trying to like think without actually looking it up. But like, how mm. many like what in terms of the player base, how many people have ESO plus and how many who don't? Because mm. I would like to think majority of people have it. Because I know when I first started playing the game in 2019, I played the game for three days, realized I liked it, and also I couldn't really do much because I needed the craft bag, so I signed yeah. up for ESO Plus. And with ESO Plus, you get all the content minus minus the mm -hmm. last, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the last Fashion. DLC or patch, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, having like being an ESO Plus member, I I don't have any complaints because like mm -hmm. I will, you know, if I'm if if say they're like everything in Blackwood comes out right, and then. I don't have access to this overpowered gear for three months or whatever until the, you know, the next quarter when the next thing drops. I mean, that's fine. I'm going to get it eventually. So, yeah. but, so, but I'm speaking from somebody who's already in as a subscriber, mm -hmm. who's already technically paying. And exactly. in my opinion, yep. if you're already, if you're a subscriber, then, well, I can, well, let me, let me re uh, rethink this. I, I can only I can't imagine not play, uh I can't imagine playing ESO and not paying for it because yeah. you kind of can't just be just with the forget everything else the craft yeah. bag alone is reason enough to me for me to purchase ESO or or to be a subscriber if yeah. you would and then with that you get everything else so then when we discuss things like oh it's pay to win I mean we're already paying for the game we're already going to have these things. So we're technically all on the same page. And then when mm -hmm. we're talking about people who don't put, who don't are not ESO plus members, I, I don't even know how you can even play the game without it. It's oh, very yeah. difficult. It's very, very difficult, but then they, so, they, they make it like mm -hmm. that. So you do pay, which yeah. to me seems fine. Cause you know, they need to make money doing something. So. Yeah. Oh man. So I was, told, I was going to say about ashes. Like this is a good segue into what's different about ashes. Um, this is a good example. So the monetization model 
and get ready for this. This is a big, this is going to be a big shift for what we're all used to. Like I'm, I'm pretty much of the mind I'll buy the game and its expansions and I'll pay a sub model. That's always my preference. Um, Ashes of Creation does not have a box cost, right? You can get in and support the game. You could have kickstarted it and all this stuff, but you're not buying the game. The game doesn't have boss cost, which means the game and the expansions will never actually cost you money. You just pay a subscription model and there's a shop and the shop is no pay to win. So it's just cosmetics, right? But even those cosmetics aren't the best stuff in the game. The best stuff in the game comes from in-game crafting and achievement, right? Yeah, and that seems we paid for the game. We're paying for the expansions. We're paying for, you know, items from the cash shop and crown. So I get it. Like their sustainable business model, you see all these separate things that we're paying for. But you were right, I see. We're already on the paying side, right? Because trying to do it without paying it would be brutal or next to impossible. If you play this game for any amount of time, you run into inventory problems. You know? Oh, easily and, within just a couple of days. Within a couple of days. So they've already got you there. But then if you're going to play for any amount of time and do PVP and try to be competitive, imagine those people that don't get access. They're not an ESO. Uh, ESO plus is pay. They're paying now. They're now a paying member, right? Outside of just paying for the game itself. Okay, they bought the game, they own the game, but they're not going to do ESO Plus and they're not going to do Crown Store and they're not going to do that mm-hmm. stuff and they want to be competitive from an inventory, just a, mm-hmm. a front end and back end. It's so hard uh, to exist in, in this game. And so, and what is it? How long until if you're not an ESO Plus member, they people won't have access to Blackwood until when? Uh-huh. Ever? So I think, because what's the current DLC, like Flames of Ambition? Yeah. So I think once Blackwood drops, then everybody who's in ESO Plus, if they don't buy, if they don't purchase Blackwood, then they'll have automatic access to like anything that they were missing part of Flames of Ambition. So then the, the next DLC after Blackwood, if you didn't purchase it, it would then be a part of your membership. Yeah, so what's the next mm-hmm. one? How long are we talking? Three months, oh, six months? Uh, I guess they do like, what, every every quarter? So yeah, four probably, type yeah. patches every year. Yeah. So four uh, yeah, June, so September or something like that around there? Yeah, so you're everyone else is running around with Gaze of Sithis until then. <laughs> everyone else is running around with, you know, some of these new craftable sets and new proc sets and stuff for that duration. That's going to be a really rough four months. You're having to deal with inventory issues and, you know, fight at a disadvantage. And so it's interesting, the debacle or the pinch that it puts you in, you know. I I have ESO Plus because of the inventory issues and stuff like that as well. But um, And crafting and creating gear for the builds and stuff. But, yeah, it was an interesting video to watch, and I really don't want them to go any further than where they're at right now as far as the pay to win type scenario i get it i understand it doesn't mean that we need to you know yeah. like it yeah, yeah. Like it. so simmer so mm-hmm. you said that ashes of creation it'll have your like your initial base cost right to purchase the game and then it'll be subscription mm-hmm. after that so no box cost you don't no. pay for oh, the game okay, okay. You, yeah. so, so you could literally 
you literally this is the thing that like people are like wait what and i'm like yes okay so you could literally wait till this game launches go i'm gonna play the game subscribe for the 14.99 or whatever right subscribe for the first month play it as much as you like and imagine you don't like it and you go this isn't the game for me you just don't resub so you're out 14.99 right versus somebody who's like i had to spend like 60 bucks on the game plus a sub plus maybe i had to do this or that so the bar to entry is minimal so all the people that are purchasing stuff now they're getting pre-order packs and they're it's basically game time cosmetics uh like you know the name reservations maybe stuff like that you know what i mean for like when the game launches um in game or the sorry the cash shop currency embers you can get those things but you don't get the game you don't have to buy the game you can get an access some, some people are in because they you know they want to stream it they want to showcase it they want to play it they want to test it they want in early uh so there's an opportunity for people to do that but they're not actually paying for the game because the game itself doesn't actually cost anything just a subscription to play which is a very different model um than than we're used to um but i think that it's gonna have a lot of positives um but there's also some things i think in terms of that that i'm a little concerned about long term but um it's a different story i well um so i do like that like just mm -hmm. pure subscription stuff but i feel like it's not that different it's just no. it's literally just like because a lot of other games have subscription mm -hmm. models but this one is just purely subscription and yeah. it sounds like uh i think the main guy his, his name is steven right mm -hmm. yeah i think yeah. he if he i mean I don't want to say nothing wrong or anything, but like if he just stays true to his word and stuff, then I mean, I'm, I'm considering freaking I mean, <laughs> you know, jumping ship over, you know, <laughs> that sort of, sort of rocks the boat when you think about it too, because I mean, he's, this guy's, I mean, he's a multimillionaire, right? Retired before he was 30. I mean, you know, uh, accumulated his wealth and decided that, you know, what I want to do is I want to, I want to build a, you know, he was tired of playing. He's an avid MMORPG gamer, right? And he, and there's videos of him playing and he gets into RP mode. You should hear this guy. Like, and we were in a, we did a castle siege test the other night that they shared on their live stream yesterday. Totally was in that video. It was awesome. Virtue for the wins, my guild, by the way, baby. Um, and we were, <laughs> we were like running around and, you know, Steven's like, and this guy like lives and breathes this. Okay, like he was exhausted. He had been like he got up like four thirty that morning, and it, here we are like midnight, and the guy hasn't slept and he's exhausted. And he's recording. I mean, he puts it all into this, and you know he, he pulled us together. And you should have heard him just RPing and nerding out. You go check it out on there, like YouTube. I mean, this guy is as true of a gamer as it gets. He, the reason that I love this is like, has anybody listening to this podcast, like, or you guys here? Have you ever had an experience where you were playing a game and you just kind of felt really jaded and you thought to yourself, like, what if one day someone who had just had a lot of money, who didn't have to answer to a board, could just make a really good game, like make an MMORPG that was just really good, like how cool that would be? This is that needle in a haystack scenario. It actually happened. Yeah, I see. And I even talked about that. You remember that? I see you're like, what if mm -hmm. we just made a game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like we, we kind of could. Yeah. I think uh -huh. I feel like we could because Grimm's got that uh, that uh, the like sexy charisma voice, you know. So I think he could definitely make some pitches and and uh, you know sway some sway some uh, nice financial support. But then then I guess we fall into the trap of well, you know, like all the other 
companies and stuff right like you you mm-hmm. you have your you have your developers and everything but then you gotta mm-hmm. meet numbers you gotta impress your investors and stuff and then we could we just we would eventually i guess fall into the trap of everybody else but with steve's case he is the sole so investor for the most he's part the wallet. So, yeah he's yeah a he, wallet. Can, <laughs> he can do whatever he wants so yeah 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 he's, he is yeah, and he's super down to earth, you know, pretty pretty cool guy, man. He's just another gamer. I've met him in San Diego like a couple years back and you know, I've had the had the opportunity to to chat with him and, you know, to to get to know him a little bit and to have him on the path on a podcast and everything and you know, and he he'll jump in like he'll literally just jump in Discord, you know, with people in the community that are just hanging out and he'll jump in and chat with them. He's very very connected to the community and sometimes they even say probably a little too connected because he just like he really does like you know genuinely want to deliver on a game people are proud of but he's also not willing to you know deviate from the vision any more than is necessary because it's you know they still have their plan and still the universe to bring to us so that's so interesting (laughs) well um so in eso world we do have blackwood Mm -hmm. right around the corner uh what are you looking forward to blackwood Oh my god! I want to go jump in those portals like all day, dude. <laughs> I want to go in those portals and go kill some some baddies all day, man. I'm like stoked. I'm stoked about the aesthetic, man. I just like the environment to just chill in there, surrounded by all the lava and fire and flames and stuff, man. Um, like I mean, it's gonna hit the nostalgia hardcore, dude. I mean. You know, my brother, he loved um, Morrowind. You know, for him, it was Morrowind. You know, for me, it's Oblivion. I mean, they're hit. you want to call it nostalgia bait or not, I mean, I, I can't help it, man. I, I, I want to see a, uh, I, want, I want to see it, man. I want to go back in there and see it with a big facelift. I can't help it. I just want to see it. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. Um, I, I think I'm also really, really excited about the, the companion and the endeavor uh, systems. I know en- endeavors are pushed back a bit, um, which is a shame. Um, but I think that these things are going to be great. I mean, Star Wars: The Old Republic. I played that for uh, a while, uh, specifically it launched and, and loved it. The companions in that game were a lot of fun. Um, having them there to kind of help you fight. I love the idea that you're going to be able to theory craft a little bit with their builds and stuff. That's going to be sick. Um, I think that's really great. Uh, the the misses. I don't know, man. I, the pros and cons here, the hits and misses. I don't. I don't really know too much where I would stand on Blackwood yet. I think I'm gonna have to see it launch to really give it. I would to give it a fair assessment. Um, I'm hoping that the Endeavor system is. I just, I think I'm just really hoping that the Endeavor system really delivers. I think I hope that they don't they aren't skimpy with it. Um, I'm a proponent that if people love your game, they're gonna spend their money, um, and I think that this is a good way to reward people that have been dedicated and spent a lot of their money um, in the cash up over the years that can now maybe through the stuff they're already doing earn this free freely um but i think i'm overall just looking forward to the story too um i think that it could be really good um i'm hoping and this is just a something i'm a little concerned of i've been concerned of lately is like i, I just hope that like the past couple of years they've done great with the like year long stuff that they've been doing with the stories it's super cool um it's something that ashes is definitely planning on doing as well um i think that any mmo that does that is like just rocking it i think it's great 
content delivery, story delivery, and be hitting all the different markers. Um, and they've done really good with it. Uh, I just hope that nothing is rushed. And I think with uh, the state of the world as it's been for a while, um, it's a definitely a, a tricky scenario. So I'm just hoping that they don't like miss too many markers or anything and get to a place where they rush things out or, or you know, uh, push things too quickly, especially when it comes to systems like um, the, champ, uh, the champion, the companion system, uh, sets and stuff like that that come out. I think the... I think I'm uh, overall like, am I looking forward to new sets? Yes. I'm also kind of like burned out by how many sets are in the game. Yes. Um, I think that's the ESO grind, though, is the, the sets, getting all the sets and grinding for the sets. Um, yeah. But you I'm, ex I'm of, excited for the story. You do have a lot of variety, though. You do have a ton of variety. Tons. And that was one of the things in the very beginning that I loved about this game. I think well, maybe we're not even talking about this, but I think I would just I, I hope to see them make more skill trees more meaningful again. Uh, one of the things I loved about the Elder Scrolls Online was the possibility as a theory crafter for so many things. Now the sets provide a great, um, and we may talk about this a little more, but the the sets provide a lot of variety. It's also like holy hell, man! Like these guys <laughs> balancing that much that is a task man that is a task i do not envy them at all uh, i can only imagine how much work goes into balancing all the sets all the gear like all the 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 different like mythic items or uh, the the skill lines and stuff i i do wish that more of the skill lines were more meaningful and useful um that's the one bummer i've got when it comes okay. to it all can you give us an example of what you mean by that? Like at least like one like concrete thing that we could like pick um, up to. Yeah, I just I feel like you know like look at the guild lines, right? The fighters guild and the mages guild. I think that there are a few selected ones like Dawnbreaker, Meteor as the ultimates maybe. Um, Entropy is a good one from the mages line that's good. But the volcanic rune, I mean, it does damage. But like there are times over the course of you know the game's history, or even like the mage light. Um, or like some of these things just didn't really feel like they 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 impact enough compared to sets or compared to uh, other abilities that might have just gotten changed. Um, I think that a lot of the skills having specifically the class skills having a, a stamina or magicka cost uh, morphs and different sides that people can choose versus like the way they were launched is like a really great addition. Um, but I think like just some of the skill lines, like some of the um, Oh, I think they've been doing a good job at this, though. I think over the years, they've progressively gone and started to make more of these skills and, like, the Undaunted lines um, and, and things of that nature more useful where they didn't used to be. Um, and I definitely see a lot of that, more of that, um, like the orbs for healers, right, that can be dished out now, and it's kind of a bread and butter consideration for, for a lot of healing for, like, trials and stuff like that. Um, and along the lines of what you're talking, yeah. a real easy one, this is mm -hmm. the a low-hanging fruit right here but it's uh the whip you know mm. we've got two magicka versions of the whip for uh dk's you know why is there no stam whip and um yeah. so, so they really need to go through the base ability can be magicka mm -hmm. that's fine but when you morph it there of every ability there should be a stamina version that does something and then there should be a magicka version and mm -hmm. with whip, we've got two different magic aversions. And so yeah. that would be one of the things that I would 
first come to mind when we're talking about let's finally bring some continuity to you know asset mm-hmm. skill lines so yeah i definitely agree with that too yeah i mean they i don't know like i don't know if if blazing if the sun shields even use that much anymore for the templar like i used to love using my blazing shield but i think it just doesn't perform as well as it used to it could be wrong yeah. i haven't been able to use it in a while um yeah it's just it's just these small things but it's just you know i think that there were points in the past where some of these felt really useful and now they just don't they just yeah. don't um it, is blazing shield is blazing shield kind of like the mullet uh i hear mullets are coming back in like that's the that's the hairstyle that guys are <laughs> I, I just heard this on the radio and i thought that, oh that was funny yeah mullets are the coming back in so prepare yourselves for an, a mullet <laughs> invasion but so does ESO kind of work cyclical like that? Like Blazing Shield was the thing. It was the mullet at that time and people were, ro- <laughs> people were rocking it and then you kind of gravitate away from it and then it's going to come back around. Do you think it might be one of the- it's the mullet? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm, yeah, I, I, I do think that, it, that things are cyclical. Like I do think that they kind of like bolster certain skills, push them forward for a while and then they kind of, move on to the next one. I think Blazing Shield was a really, really good example. Um, the Radiant Ward, though, like that one, that the other morph of that ability specifically, it just is never felt. It's just never felt super strong or meaningful to me. Um, Blazing Shield was the only way to go. And I think just it's, it's a good example of like how some skills, and these are just class skills too. If you go to like some of the other ones, um, looking at like the Alliance War and you go to like, um, you know, like you go to Assault, you know, caltrops have been kind of been bumped up a bit. I actually can use the razor caltrops, but they used to be kind of like pretty, like meh. They they weren't really all that, that amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm a little sad that they took the emperor passives away. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I worked hard for those. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward, our next topic is proc sets and balancing, but. Mm-hmm. I want to tie that into misses for Blackwood, not to be super negative or whatever, but um, honesty is the best policy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other content creators were posting on it too, but it would have took a day of testing on their own to know that the proposed changes that the, they were looking at doing for proc sets for, uh, in a PvP atmosphere was not going to be received well um Mm. and they didn't do that you know so like we've got some crazy high tool tips and really scary things and everybody right now is uh saying get ready for apocalypse you know get ready for apocalypse because of the way things are scaling right now and even though they bumped the threshold for requirement for weapon damage and the threshold for spell damage or whatever and then there's a big discrepancy in how it's easier to stack weapon damage than it is spell damage, you know, and it's because of that medium armor passive, the agility passive or whatever. Like, why don't we have uh, an arcane passive or something to that effect that does similar in the light armor? And then another weird thing is, so if you're wearing light armor, you're already at a disadvantage from a resistance standpoint you're going to take more damage wearing light armor and then to add to it in the pvp realm something like 70 80 percent of pvpers are stamina classes because it's the dominant Mm -hmm. because of the way it works 
you know, like, oh, I just stack weapon damage as a stamina character, and it also buffs my yeah. vigor heals, you heals, know? Yeah. yeah, so might as well be stamina. And you take the fact, it's a, it's a, a common fact, you take that most people in the PvP environment are running as a stamina class, mm -hmm. and now you go and look at the passives or detractors um, to wearing light armor. You're already at a resistance um negative you know you're operating with less re base resistances oh and you also take more uh physical or martial damage too on mm -hmm. top of that and it's like are you trying to detract anyone from wearing light armor i don't get you know like we we needed to think about some of these things and uh how they apply to the pvp atmosphere so and yet here they are you know and i go on to the pts and like we went through this whole scenario where we got rid of proc sets in ESO, mm -hmm. you know, because they were recognized as problematic, and we're going to test some things and this, that, and the other. And um, then Blackwood's rolling up, and I can get a 60k tooltip on explosive rebuke. Why can I get a 60k tooltip on explosive rebuke? Rebuke, like that's going to hit a player for 30k. Does that no. seem right? Like. No. And so we see these things and I just don't understand. Um, I'm not trying to point fingers at who, I don't know whoever's calling the shots or doing that, but there's balancing is always going to be a thing, but some of these mm -hmm. things are free throws. They should, you know, or layups, you know, like uh -huh. bare minimum, we should understand what, by adding honor armor sets saying this ability scales off of spell damage and weapon damage you know if it's a magicka set it shouldn't say this ability scales off weapon damage because it's easier to scale weapon damage than it is spell damage you know and mm -hmm. so you could run around with a 36k tooltip on a stam crow and have vicious death and have a 36k tooltip on your vicious death you know, why is that a thing? And it's because that last word, you know, or the last part of it scales off your spell damage or weapon damage. Get rid of or weapon damage. It's mm -hmm. a magic set. It shouldn't say or weapon damage. And if a stamina class wants to wear that set just to get the five piece out of it, that's fine. But it the tooltip should scale off their spell damage because it's a magic set. And so um, there's simple math right I, I don't know and i'm always i i don't know about pve world or anything like that i'm just speaking from a pvp world and trying to have a healthy pvp environment um but i see things like that and that's the biggest my biggest fear for blackwood and everyone that i talk to they're like mm -hmm. i'm gonna jump into blackwood and we're gonna see what it's about but i just think damage right. is gonna be astronomical everyone's right. going to be running around with nuclear capabilities and it's going to be unavoidable cheese you know mm -hmm. and who wants to play a game like that when skill is completely thrown out out the window so not to rant or sound super negative i'm just stating the facts here so yeah i mean i definitely can i definitely understand that perspective and i would i would tend to agree as well uh i mean i think Stamina, I also think there's another layer to this that is a problematic scenario for me, and it's that as a 
as stamina care as stamina you know builds have just been bolstered you said you said it yourself right like that the the majority of the population in pvp are stamina based right mm-hmm. so when you got that being your majority and you i think i think and this is just my my speculation my thoughts here when you look to the future and you look at this board of directors that sits there around a table d- dictating how they're going to make money um they're going well this is our majority so let's give them what they want let's make them stronger let's give their gameplay more let's bolster them i i think that right and um and stamina i mean i i feel like it also takes away from that dynamic that i enjoy a lot of which is really needing a healer in situations and you know uh, the fact that you as a stamina build can like basically heal and you don't need a healer kind of just doesn't work for me i actually like that like maybe i need to take a healer into like an arena or something around the battleground maybe i actually need a healer maybe a healer can be really good to have in my group and of course you you can use those in serial and stuff like that And of course they're still beneficial but um it's not really required that someone who's straight up damaged could really need a healer yeah and see i think that that's a big detractor like icy is a at his heart at his nature a support you know he runs amazing pvp healers and builds like that you can't heal dead (laughs) you know like and when these people are getting a 30k explosive rebuke dropped on them and even if icy's in their group icy's not going to be able to save them or heal through that you know and that's a one-shot mechanic from a gear set and um so what i proposed is that they attach these proc sets if it's a set that does damage or does healing Mm. it has a little symbol attached to it the armor sets from from backdated and moving forward so every time you know whatever the next patch is it comes out three months from now Mm. any set that does damage in the five piece or does healing it has a little symbol on it and that little symbol connects it to the battle spirit passive and then they can they can throttle it from there and they can say sets that have this symbol do 10 percent less damage or healing or 20 percent and they just check in with the pvp community and say how mm-hmm. does as an example how do these sets feel right now crimson how does crimson feel right now and if they say well crimson still hits hard or the heal is stupid or whatever it is they can say hey we're going to take it from 10 percent to 15 percent and keep us posted on that and they can start to hone in on it and if they follow these same mathematical equations for total damage output or total healing received from sets like there's a ceiling on it we're never going to release sets mm-hmm. that will exceed this damage amount or exceed this healing amount then that throttle through battle spirit passive becomes easier to control all those problematic sets and in that moment they never piss off their pve community release the most broken sets you want do whatever you want to transition everybody to the next great thing you know in purchasing i'm not really saying that because i know even pve community would get mad about that but Mm you can release that stuff and know that it's not going to cause major balancing issues as long as it's properly tagged, you know, in PVE. Now, um, another thing too, sinful duck left a comment on one of our 
um, videos about because we were talking about like things like the Vatch staff, Vatashran staff, mm-hmm. Destro staff. Here's an ability that's free to cast. A lot of people run with it because it ap- applies major breach and or magic steel or you know whatever morph you're going with. Well, with the Vatch staff now, it also applies a dot and it just so happens that that dot is very powerful so powerful that even stamina classes are running with it on their back bar in pvp you'll see a stam necromancer running around with a two-hander on the front bar and the destro vatistran staff on the back bar because the stop the dot is so juicy and to make things even worse is that that dot can be stacked on a target multiple people if i were running around and you and icy and your entire guild that you run with were running around you were all backbarring that every single one of you could put that exact same dot on me mm-hmm. and i there's no counterplay to it and so that's the other thing is uh, the sets that are potentially problematic or the weapons that are going to do free damage or whatever, you need to look at those as debuffs, unique debuffs that can't be stacked. And, you know, Sinful said, I don't really see that we'll ever get there. Let's be realistic that, you know, but I think we can if we talk about it and we say, recognize it as a problem, you know, and say Mm -hmm. we shouldn't be able to stack these free damage or proc set weapons or you know whatever um i'm not mm-hmm. saying that all three of us you me and icy couldn't run around with explosive rebuke on and not all be able to land that shot that's that's kind of different um but i don't i don't know what the answer is for some of the things but the majority of the problems i think that's what you do you cut out the majority of the problems and then you go through and get the outliers the ones that didn't weren't resolved through that and the majority of the problems would be solved by attaching sets that do damage or healing to the battle spirit passive and apply a throttle and get rid of if it's a magicka based stat get rid of spell damage and weapon damage because weapon damage can be scaled more easily and they already raise the ceiling on weapon damage uh scaling so if it is a stamina whatever it is because they raise the ceiling on the weapon damage hopefully the tooltip isn't too obnoxious but those are my things continuing to rant about blackwood but um what's your thoughts on proc sets and the no proc set testing that was going on in cyrodiil and stuff did you get a, a lot of time to pvp yeah i did check it out um i i did go in there a few times with some friends and uh I went in there and kind of ran around and stuff and kind of, you know, did some builds around no proc sets. It's kind of got some sets that gave me some good bonuses to stats and mitigation and things like that. Um, you know, like my my resource pools, um, attributes and stuff. Um, and I mean, I actually preferred the PvP a lot more like that, if I'm being honest. I've I've always been a proponent, like while I do like uh like Icy said, like there's a lot of variety with the sets and I totally agree with that. Um, I think that the approach for for me that would make more sense and be better my my better is that these sets are more supplemental and and less uh impactful in regard to like them being what determines a lot of wins or losses like i think supplemental damage or supplemental uh, attributes to your stats is great um even with proc sets but having 
you know, and even these like creatures that pop up and run after somebody, Hey, it's totally cool. It looks awesome. Right. But I don't think it should do a crazy amount of damage. Um, I think that that takes away from the skill of a player and it relies more on this random roll of the dice that could determine a fight. So if you're just like mashing a button, literally people can run around and mash one button to proc sets and their proc sets will destroy people. Like to me, that's not skill. That's just having sets and pressing a button to get it to go and running around until it can go. I mean, you got people that can do that and they, I mean, if you get the two people in the same cutout and you don't have proc sets, like, well, who would win? Yeah. The person that's used to stat-based builds and used mm-hmm. to um, managing their buffs and doing their own damage, you know, that should be the person. Because if you took the proc sets away from the other person, I actually released a video not too long mm-hmm. ago covering this and talking about mm-hmm. the skill skill gap. It's called uh, Own Your Battlegrounds, episode, episode four. Okay. But that's a great, that's a really good point that you just said is, you know, a lot of people are carried by proc sets and they don't realize that they're carried by proc sets. They just jump mm-hmm. into proc sets because that's what they know as meta. Like if you look at the um, upper MMR, top tier MMR, uh, mm-hmm. Deltia, Dots, all of the um, biggest content creators will tell you that the highest MMR, I know this to be true when I was there, but the highest MMR is all proc set users you know high yeah. skill set proc set users for the most part and the only ones that are not are the random people that more so like skill-based pvp and they're going with stat based and they're operating at a disadvantage like dots was like mm-hmm. i'm running around in high mmr facing ev- everyone here has nuclear capabilities you know with a pu- uh, push of one button he's like if, an, if i don't play it perfectly i get killed and so that's that's frustrating um we're gonna embrace that you know going into blackwood though i'm gonna put together the most broken stuff mm-hmm. i had said that we were going to do this before and we we always kind of gravitate away from it but do it showcase it yeah we're gonna showcase it and yeah um because i've been running around on stat based builds and you know doing 20 and 1 or 20 and 0 or 40 mm-hmm. and 0 what do you think is going to happen <laughs> when we put yeah. on? like the time to kill is going to speed up and the yep. effort to kill is going to be easier. You know, I only have to press one button to kill these people now. So let's see what we can do. You know, I'm going to try and get a hundred and no BG. <laughs> Dude. So, you know, you know, I mean, I like toot on the ashes here. You know, one of, the, one of the reasons that I actually am looking forward to the combat in that game is the fact there's no stun locking. It's not going to be a thing in the game. Like it's okay. going to focus, focus more around resource management, cooldowns, situational awareness, the things that I used to enjoy. Um, and that's something that was there a lot more when ESO mm-hmm. when the game launched. And since has we've deviated away from that. And now you've got like the sets of this proc like this. And it's like, dude, I like the fights that, dude, oh, I'm a nerd a little bit here. I love a good, like, I don't care if I win or lose. I love, I was playing Smite last night with my fiance, right? And we were love playing, <laughs> dude, we were playing this game. And we were up against and just me and her and some randoms, right? We were in there and we were running through and we were playing and we got, we were literally like nine and 10 points right to the end there. And we lost and it felt so good to lose in that situation because it was such a close game. It felt so competitive and you knew that it was going to come down to who made the most mistakes. 
And in a fight in PvP, when I'm fighting somebody or a group of people, that I thrive on that, man. Like knowing that if I'm fighting somebody one-on-one -on -one even, and we're going back and forth and to know that who wins, because you're both, I had this in SWOTOR, right? We go into those um, battlegrounds of SWOTOR and I remember fighting somebody and it was, and it was always this, this one guy, right? Uh, Inquisitor Sith that I would always fight against. But, you know, we would like, we would actually chat and stuff. Like I had this guy as a friend. It was so cool, dude. I would fight him and I knew when I fought him, when I knew and I found him in there, like it was me or him. And it was going to be determined by who messed up, who didn't watch their cooldown, who, who missed an opportunity, who didn't watch their resources, like who paid attention and was on their A game. And it was super respectful, man. Like, I would catch this guy and just chat with him. And like, I mean, you shouldn't do this in a battleground, by the way. But we would go off to the side. We would just chat for a little bit sometimes. <laughs> and it was yeah. like super fun, man. Like that, that not yeah. get. I loved it. And like when you have things like stun locking and proc sets and things like that, it just for me takes away from the joy of the experience. And those fights a while, not for long, but a fight that can go on, and knowing that who wins. It's the person who is on their A game. It's just such a good feeling, win or lose, knowing that you have a fight that close for me. Yes. Uh, Dot said this about uh, high MMR and upper tier battlegrounds. He said it literally comes down to who has the most proc sets. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. And that's not a healthy, you know, but the answer to that is the battle spirit passive throttle on proc sets. I agree. If they apply that, it will help that situation. Now you can wear proc sets. You can run the mm -hmm. same loadout that you've been running. It's just going to do less damage and require a little bit more skill. Yeah, and counter to the problem. Counter to the problem. And so I really hope that they hear this and they think about it and they implement it. So, uh, and, and you know what? Uh, here's another thing too, just as a side note. A lot of people, mm -hmm. I've had this before, they'll say, you sound very disenfranchised or very um, turned off by ESO, you know, maybe you need a break or whatever. By nature, uh, my outside job is I'm a coach and the coach is the person that always tells the athlete what they don't want to hear. They tell them exactly what needs to be done to be successful, right? And by nature, that's, that's me. When I'm saying these things, I'm not saying them to try and disenfranchise everybody else or make everybody else I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy. I'm trying to be, yeah. re, you know, real. And they really need to implement this because it really is a problem. And yeah, uh, I mean, I also think that, like, I just want to say something to that I've actually had this perspective from people too. Like, they might hear what I'm saying, going, "Oh, like it's easy to think that, like, oh, he just wants us to play Ashes." No, I'm just giving you differences. Like, I love the Elder Scrolls. I am passionate about MMORPGs, and I'm passionate about both the Elder Scrolls and Ashes of Creation. And I'm giving the information on both. Right? Like, I think when I hear what you're saying and I hear what I'm saying, what I see saying, like I just hear three guys that are passionate about the game and would love to see it thrive and do better. That's, yes. That's that, where it comes from, man. That it breaks my heart when I see these things happening in PvP and the lack of performance and the lack of balance and the the big misses. It breaks my heart, and that's why I say the things. And realistically if i if we ever get to the point where we hit a wall and i i'm like this game is never going to be what it could be or what it should be because 
they're not driving the bus in the proper direction, I'm gone. If I ever, yeah, if I ever feel that way, I'm gone, you know, and so I'm keeping just a very close eye on things like that, and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. But if they were to just heed our call, you know, and and listen to some of these things and take the negative feedback or take the constructive criticism is what I'd like to say and look at it and say, you know what, they've got a point here. Let's look at this. What would it look like? Mm-hmm. Because Deltia said this, he was like, you know, Zoss is full of like super smart people. Yeah. You know, if, if it were as simple as attaching a battle spirit throttle to these things don't you think they would have implemented that absolutely and i'm like i I, I would think so what's the hold up why have they not done that you know yeah so it's the developers man that's that's my two cents i think that you know developers have that's why i always say like be kind man to the developers man because like like they they work for somebody right you know and you know i i I I really I mean I've seen a lot of changes though in the past like year man like they've definitely been implementing some things that I'm like I could definitely stand beside that weren't there before and I do say that wholeheartedly um and I would I would love look I'm still going to play the Elder Scrolls online like I'm not going to lie to myself like I know me I'll always play this game until it's <laughs> gone I know I will I know I will but I know I would also play it more and be even more excited about it if some of these things were resolved and, and to be fair, they've, they've been there for a while. Um, yeah. and I would just love to see, they, God, I'd love to see this game thrive even more than it is now. It could be so much bigger and better. It really could be. I believe that. Yeah, I, I agree. So all my passion and all my everything comes from a PVP standpoint. So I, mm-hmm. that's where, that's what really gets me going is, some of those misses on that but uh and performance is one of my biggest things earlier today i see a lot of weird performance things not being able to bar swap and use abilities mm. and this that and the other and um it's Same. super frustrating and i don't is there an answer to that like are the new new servers going to be the answer to that with you know microsoft purchasing or i think i saw a post where gina Mm-hmm. said that that's not going to solve you know some of the problems so yeah it's code i think really what it comes down to is like that code yeah code de- degradation i think is what it's referred to as is mm-hmm. the game's been out for seven years and the code's kind of it degrades over time and every time we are adding new things the next new big thing and mm-hmm. not addressing you know the code so i don't know um that's probably my biggest performance and or performance is a major concern of mine and but i'll go through a battleground and i'll be 20 and two and my two deaths were lag good bar swap or something the bar swap or lag (laughs) and i'll be complaining up a storm when it happens like can't bar swap in this damn game and then i go back you know the game's over and i'm like well i'm 20 and two and I'm crying about being 20 and two, you know, like, mm-hmm. so I have to keep, I have to take performance in stride and just mm-hmm. continue to remind myself that we do enjoy the overall experience. It's those moments that should be 
uh, not an issue because of performance, but they are. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I, I think that's one of the things that I have issues with too, is like, I'll, I'll be sitting there in a fight and I'm like hitting the buttons. It's like, um, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dawnbreaker. Hello. Like, <laughs> <laughs> please, please. No, I need, oh man. Yeah. Or, or the, uh, phantom Dawnbreaker. It'll be, oh, yeah. you'll line, you'll crush the Dawnbreaker and it does zero damage to anyone. And you're, yeah. and, and you're like, what? <laughs> but that was right to the face. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know if you heard, but we always joke about that. I the first person I told was Malcolm when we had Malcolm on. I and he's on the EU server. I said mm-hmm. I always picture in my mind that I'm over on the NA server and I let I let rip a uh, Dawnbreaker and it does zero damage. That some random person on the EU server gets blasted out of nowhere with a Dawnbreaker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the multiverse. <laughs> you know, he's standing he's standing there crafting, doing his ritz, and just gets smoked with a Dawnbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it's so funny man yeah so that i think that helps me uh <laughs> you know i just smile in myself and say someone yeah. on the eu server just got smoked with a dawn dawn breaker picking an herb like what just happened <laughs> yeah yeah Ooh, a columbine dead so <laughs> that's so good yeah so oh, do you yeah. have any topics for us or any questions for us like um thanks for coming on today yeah, it was really fun, man. I really appreciate you having me on and, you know, inviting me and everything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, nah, I can't really think of any questions. I guess just uh, if you, I guess, you know what, this is a this is a question I do ask people, right? Like, I know you, you guys have heard of Ash as a creation. We talk about ESO. We could talk about ESO all day. It's something we're all familiar with. But when you think about a game in development, like Ash as a creation, right? Um, and this is, you know, not even specific to Ashes. And I would probably even say anybody that listens to this podcast, this would be a question i'd be curious what they'd say too so maybe they'll comment and kind of leave the show some love and kind of share their thoughts but um you know what what do you guys when you think of a mmorpg in development right with a scope that will have pvp in it for example um or maybe maybe i see maybe whatever your preference is too like for me it's pvp and combat and the server stability um and Graham kind of shared some of that stuff but like what what do you would you all want to ensure that that game just really did right that a lot of your other experiences um that it maybe hasn't been the case with so far uh want me to go first yeah uh well we we got a, a five and a half minutes left so i'll try yeah. to keep it quick i i for me if they're going to introduce pvp and there's pve elements as well just separate the two just mm-hmm. separate it don't even try to have sets that that you can be used in both and then try to balance it because it's always a poop storm every single time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And just having just a clear delineation of, hey, this is for PvP, this is for PvE, done. I, I, mm-hmm. Just keeping it short like that, that, that's what I would recommend. Just keep them mm-hmm. separate. Okay. I think, you have, down. <laughs> I think you have to... Um... Be fearful of the power creep. You know, like if we look at ESL right now, we've got a crazy power creep. Uh, Sinful was just talking about, he remembers a time where 10K health, max health was the thing. Now everybody in PvP is running around with 30K health. And, you know, I'm getting ready to have a 9K weapon damage build for next patch. I'll be running around with 9K weapon damage in Blackwood, just so everybody knows. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the power creep is real. So I think Mm -hmm. that if they take that into consideration, 
Um, I'm okay if it's an open world scenario where you can run around and at any moment PVP can happen because that's the most exciting thing for me in Imperial City. Mm. Um, we will run around Farm Telvar and um, get key frags and, um, you know, as fights happen, that's exciting for us coming on to you know stepping into like i was on the eu server uh on a lobby leveling just a little mm -hmm. while ago with a friend and we come around the corner and here's 20 ad <laughs> pvp right. happens you know and that's the right. most exciting aspect to the sewers so i'm okay if it's an open world where pvp can happen um we just got to be really smart with the way mm -hmm. the sets affect the pvp so yeah yeah that's good to hear definitely some of the feedback i like to share it actually uh delty i had him on um i had him on the ashes pathfinder show a few weeks back i think and then before that i had had steven on and delty i actually was like you want to leave a wanna leave a question for steven um for me to ask because i gathered a lot of community uh, members questions and stuff and i figured hell he you know he's been around the ashes fam a little bit too and so i figured i'd ask and his question was specifically about the power creep and steven actually gave a really good answer, um, which I wish I could reflect on the actual quote right now. Um, but it was a it was a really well really well said answer. And it basically was just, you know, that that is something they're very mindful about. And it's a big part of like as they're going into the design and implementation stages of combat they're really looking at. Um, you know, that's something that they've, you know, this is one of the things that they talk about the server or they talk about combat. They always come back to that they are just willing to take their time and make sure it's done right from a foundational level up because it's easier to resolve problems if that foundation's built well to begin with than it is later after, you know, things that maybe you needed to fix were right off that foundation. When it's a foundation you've got to fix and you've built on it for so long. Um, and it, Delta Scrolls, that's a big example. I always, I always make that ex uh, as an example of frame of references. You know, when there might've been issues in like the code, for example, in the early days and that wasn't resolved before the game was pushed out now you continue to build upon it and that problem's there the cracks are there and it's really tough to go back to work on those things when a lot of other things are now relying upon that yeah that's interesting i think the fact that steven is proactively engaged engaging and involved with everything i think that's awesome um Okay, we got two minutes, less than two cool. minutes. Where that, can ninety seconds? Ninety seconds. Where can everyone find you at YouTube, Twitch? Where are we finding you at right now? Website. Yeah, so you can just search me up on YouTube under either Simorg, S I M U R G H, or Simorg Gaming, um, or Simorg ESO. Um, those are my three main domains. Um, I've also got a vlog one called Phoenix. You can catch me on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Simorg. Um, where I do a lot of live streaming. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at Lord Simorg, um, on uh, Instagram, the same. And you can catch out my websites, or you can check out the websites at um, www.asheshq.com for Ashes of Creation or uh, com, which looks super blank at the moment because I got to get the HQ square away first. And then I'll be working on that and tying all stuff and things in there. Um, so. I think I had everything. Yeah, and the podcast, uh, the LFM podcast, Thursdays, 5 p.m. CDT on my Twitch live, going to podcast places. Ashes Pathfinder Sunday, 5 p.m. CDT, live on Twitch, going to podcast places. I think I did it. 
Yeah. And we got 20 seconds, uh, 20 seconds here. So uh, the last thing is tip jar merchandise. What's the best way they can help you? Uh, just, you know, join discord.gg forward slash some more, be part of the community and, you know, follow and subscribe and, you know, leave some comments. If you, uh, if you enjoy, be part of the community. Awesome. And with that said, cause we are, so over time, I had to start a new file. We'll catch you guys on the next one. See ya. You're going to say bye-bye, Argonians. Bye-bye, Argonians.